Hello, and welcome to Radio Free CSU, the official podcast of the California Faculty Association. My name is Audrina Redmond, and I'm your host for this 10-part series, Stronger Together, here on Radio Free CSU. This series is inspired by the intentional anti-racism and social justice transformation CFA began in late 2016. In each episode, we'll discuss one of our 10 guiding principles with a CFA leader activist. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to engage in anti-racism and social justice work and join us again for more conversations about why an anti-racism social justice transformation is necessary. Today, we are joined by Teresa Montano, a CFA activist, professor of Chicano Chicano Studies at Cal State University Northridge, and vice president of the California Teachers Association. We'll be discussing the fifth of CFA's 10 principles, and that principle is we engage in courageous conversations about racism and discrimination in order to transform our union. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you. All right. So let's jump right on in. So that's a mouthful of a statement that we engage in courageous conversations about racism and discrimination in order to transform our union. Why is it important to even engage in conversations about racism and discrimination? Well, first of all, all of us experience racism each and every day. But what differs is how we relate to racism. What is our relationship with racism? What is the outcome with racism? And that differs. And the only way that one can get to the bottom of it and transform racism is to engage in dialogue with one another. Um, And that means that we have the opportunity to explore and share who we are in relationship to racism, racist acts, and discrimination. That helps us open up communication, that helps us understand who we are, what we experience, and it, but it doesn't lead to anything unless that dialogue also leads to actions to eradicate racism. Yeah. You know, that last week we were together, you and I, or two weeks ago, uh, and we heard from the Demos folks and the Demos Action And one of the things they say is, we have to talk about racism. We have to name it. We have to name the races in our conversations. And that's all fine and good to say that. But what does that principle, what does it mean operationally? How How does that show up in CFA, for example? Well, I think part of it is in our messaging. When we, we're going to be doing a lot of recruitment this year, and we're, even myself, who you know, takes great pride in being an anti-racist activist, when one talks about why you should join the union, you automatically move into the economic issue. You should join the union because it's in your best interest, your health care, your working conditions, and your salary. What we have to do in order to bring racism into the conversation is to also talk about the issue of race, why the institution of higher education has been under attack, who our students are. It's no mistake that the CSU is under attack because the student, our clientele, our students are becoming more and more people of color, students of color, as is the state of California. We're no longer the bastion of white student 
higher education intellectuals. Right. So we have to call it out. Right. Uh, our what was it? We have a report that equity interrupted, and we say as the CSU got darker, the funding got lighter. Absolutely true. And that's and and I think that messaging has helped us because that is direct. Right. And and to talk about dialogue, what we have a very segregated public school system. Mm-hmm. Our students attend segregated schools. The first time, the very first opportunity they have often to interact with people who are not of their own racial group is when they're in the university. When they attend a class and all of a sudden, lo and behold, there is a white student sitting in a class full of Latinos, African Americans, and Asians. All of them having a different experience with racism, but all of them impacted mm-hmm. every single day by it. Mm-hmm. Sounds challenging uh, in any environment. And on to that note, what, what are some of the challenges to having conversations about race? I mean, maybe you can talk about that in terms of you're being a union activist as well as a faculty member. Right. Well, I happen to be in an activist discipline um, that is founded on anti-racist um, principles. In Chicano and Chicano Studies, you developed your discipline against the grain, against fighting racism and colonization. So I consider myself quite lucky to be in that discipline. On the other hand, any discipline that talks back to dominant culture and status quo is in danger. Mm-hmm. And so part of the challenge is being able to present that without having students automatically shut down to that discourse as coming from an angry Chicana. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that dilemma. There's a dilemma also within um, anti-racist dialogue of for people of color, the experience is often an empowering experience. Wow, someone finally gets what I've experienced. I'm a learning about myself. Right, a mm-hmm. professor gets it. She's mm-hmm. gone through racism. Mm-hmm. She gets it. On the other hand, for white students, it could be disarming. Mm-hmm. It could be silencing. It could be anger, and they could become much more entrenched in their racist views as students of color speak up. That's a challenge. The other challenge is sometimes um, you sit and wonder, okay, well, at this moment, do I challenge this racist statement? Or do I hold on to what I'm thinking for another opportunity? Right? I, I sometimes say that when uh, my students love me at the end of the semester, I wonder if I've really done my job <laughs> in exposing the evils of racism and colonization, right? Um, and I think they understand it. The other challenge is when they leave me, mm-hmm. after they leave the university and they leave Chicano Studies, in acting that anti-racist dialogue, even at home, mm-hmm. within family, mm-hmm. but definitely within institutions that they're going to be working with, mm-hmm. creates a challenge. And many of them do return and say, I didn't realize how difficult it would be to have this conversation. Because it's systemic and it's ingrained in all of us. And it drains you. Yes, it It does. It drains you, it's Mm -hmm. exhausting, it tires you Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So that's the classroom. What about how do these challenging conversations within our unions, with our union siblings? Oh my goodness. Well, I think I'll give you a very real example of something that happened about a week ago. Um, I was having a conversation with someone about union work, right, which are, you know, there are institutional differences within union activists as well. 
But there are what I call the three pillars of unionism, bread and butter issues, professional issues, and social justice issues. Well, I take great pride in being pretty good in all of them, you know, faculty, working conditions, salaries, health benefits, decent retirement is just as important to me as challenging racist dogma Mm -hmm. in my institution. But the more you talk about race and social justice as a person of color, the more you're going to be pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. The more people are going to say, well, all she really cares about are issues of racial and social justice. And challenging that racial and social justice issues are economic issues. They are union issues. It's not a pillar or a little category all of itself. Yes, I absolutely care about social justice because I can't deal with the economics and the working conditions without dealing with race. That's a challenge sometimes for women of color, people of color, who are in positions where the majority is not people of color. Right, because it's seen as whining. Right. Uh, or complaining. Uh, or when, narrow view. Or narrow view. When, but you're pointing out differences. It is, it's a fact that people of color are, are paid less. People of color come from different economic backgrounds and different social statuses that lead to different ways of relating, different needs right. uh, so that are ongoing in our lives. So any, any other challenges? What were, would you say that when we began this anti-racism social justice work, that these challenges, we anticipated them? Absolutely. I think anytime you enter work with anti-racism and social justice issues, there is going to be some amount of pushback. We live in a racist society. We function in it every single day. Uh, some people have benefited from white privilege and, and um, racist policies. And so there's this perception that if I, as a white ally, move to dealing with issues of racial justice, that means that I'm going to lose as you win without the thinking that as you win, I win. Right. So that is a challenge, and that is something that, and we've, we've had to discuss it. I mean, there are times within um, CFA that, as difficult as it was, the good news is that what has happened within our union has transformed it so much that you can raise things, that yes. you can say, yes. look, I just looked at that video and I noticed that there are no people of color in that video, right? Or that this is a Hispanic-serving institution, there's not one Latino in that video, that you can raise it and you can discuss it. On the other hand, these have been your colleagues through strike prep, right. through contract negotiations, right. through discussing issues on campuses, through academic senate. To now have to confront racism and white privilege, even in some of your most trusted colleagues, is is troubling and also creates some disequilibrium. Yeah. I think it's good, though, that we, we are making space for the conversations and actually encouraging each other to raise the issues and to be humble enough to say, Absolutely. I didn't know that. I missed that okay, let me step back, let me breathe into this and try to hear and understand. Right. Um, it's, it's a process. I applaud the effort. Um, but, you know, so CFA is doing this. There have got to be other organizations doing this as well. Um, can you name some of those? Well, I think one of the most, the, I think one of the early adopters of anti-racism was, uh, that I know of is uh, HERE, the Hotel and Restaurant Workers 
um, who I know my son, as he was an intern, came home and said, hey, we're dealing with issues of homophobia, we're dealing with issues of, mm-hmm. of racism, and it's right there centered in our work. SEIU mm-hmm. has a racial justice um, work that they're doing. The American Federation of Teachers mm-hmm. has a racial justice task force. On CTA, we are beginning to take a really critical look and doing our own anti-racist training um, in fact, with some of the same folks at CFA did to take a look at what we can do to move the um, anti-racist racial justice action within um, CTA. We've done a lot of discussion, and discussion is important, but we need to move into not just transforming the union, but transforming public education. Right, and making, making really making space for that. It, it is difficult. Uh, people are resisted. There's some of that. Um, so any last words? Well, um, I applaud the work of, of my um, local and my state. And uh, this work is not going to be easy. There are going to be times when, um, when we sit back and say, are these folks really getting it? And uh, that it's going to take a lot of time. Um, and we don't know what it's going to look like once we're done. The eradication of racism of decades, of centuries, of racist acts in this country, the the fact that it's out in the open now and anyone can say it, and it's in your face every single day in the news, it's not going to be an easy monster for us. But we're going to need to maintain not just closeness with our allies, but as people of color, closeness with one another as we go through this work. We have to decolonize. Yeah, decolonize our minds. Decolonize our minds and and, uh, then deal with the history of America. Help America deal with its own history, too. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Teresa Montano, for being here with us today. That's the end of our podcast, but do join us again for more conversations discussing the 10 guiding principles of CFA's anti-racism and social justice transformation. Remember, transformation is an action verb, meaning a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. For Radio Free CSU, I'm Audrina Redmond. Mm-hmm.